It's time for your local weekly analysis, Slow County Public Policy and the Law, with your host, Stu Jenkins. The Union Forever, hurrah, boys, hurrah, down with the traitor. Good morning. Welcome to Slow County Public Policy and the Law, only here on KNews FM 98.5. I'm your host, Stu Jenkins. As a lawyer, I help folks protect their families and real estate in their estate plans. Since 1978, I have tried several thousand Slow County court cases. It has been my privilege to strike down unconstitutional election laws and city ordinances, and I've had the honor to repeatedly serve as Superior Court Special Master. You will hear on this show from office holders, lawyers, and activists. Last week, I spoke with lawyer Todd Porter, who told us about elder abuse remedies and civil remedies against drug dealers. And he talked all about the Cal Poly mock trial program. After that, I had Sarah Twisselman telling us about the Central Coast Veterans Museum and your chance to attend the Veterans Museum October 8th Stars and Stripes Dinner Fundraiser. You can get tickets for that at vetmuseum.org. That's V-E-T-M-U-S-E-U-M dot org. If you missed last week's show, log into the podcast of the interviews at knews985.com. That's K-N-E-W-S 985.com. Today, I'm very pleased to chat in our first hour with Adam Verdon, who will tell us about his ideas to resolve conflicts between anti-dune buggy forces and the 2.3 million visitors who come use the Oceano Dunes State Recreational Vehicle Park. And it is a treat in our second hour to have Ben Helig tell us why he thinks you should support the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association ballot initiative to restore property taxpayers' rights to pass on their lower tax assessments to their children and grandchildren. The Taxpayers Association initiative will repeal part of Proposition 19 from 2020 if adopted by voters on November 5th, 2024. But Adam Verdon is here in the House, so let's hear from him about Oceano, the dunes, the beach, and his long association with them. Welcome to the show, Adam. Thank you very much for having me here, Stu. Well, it's good to have you here. I I like our listeners to know a little bit about the background of people who come on the show to talk about these significant issues. Uh, How long have you lived in the county? So I've lived in the county, um, well, I think about 50 years now. Okay. Um, Grew up in uh, Oceano. Uh, My parents bought uh, what was then Carl Spanish Seas from from Carl and Annabelle Smith back in 1976. I remember that place. 
Oh, yeah. And every once in a while, we bring back the clam chowder recipe um, <laughs> that they uh, developed. But uh, it grew up working in the restaurant. I'm a product of Oceano. Now, what's it called now? It's called Old Juan's Cantina. My okay. sister and I now own it. So we're the uh, second-generation owners of you know, Latino-owned business in Oceano. This was started by your mom and dad? That's correct, 1976. Wow. And, and as I say, I'm a product of Oceano. I went to school at Oceano Elementary um, learned to fly airplanes at the Oceano Airport and learned to wash dishes, sweep parking lots, bus tables there at the restaurant. And, and I think the big uh, mystery for all of us is that Oceano Elementary is actually located just across the border in Quiver Beach, isn't it? No, I, well, Oceano Elementary is right right in the heart of Oceano, I believe. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. there we are. So, I think you're thinking of North Oceano. I, maybe I am, because yeah. that's where my kids went when yeah. I lived in Oceano for uh, a year or two. Great town, folks. If you haven't been to Oceano, you should go. I want all our listeners to know about what the effects of the 2.3 million people who come to use the Oceano Dunes and the Oceano Beach are for businesses like Old One's Cantina. Yeah. So I I will, if I could just give a little background, you know, I I became involved in this issue really in 2021 when the Coastal Commission voted to ban vehicle access on on the beach. Mm -hmm. And it was based largely on two pieces of information. Uh, One is dust that apparently blows from the dunes downwind, which I think it's done for a very long time. And the other uh, was a group of folks... um, uh, that were part of an advisory council uh, that said that the community did not want the activity. It's turned out that, that maybe that dust study wasn't as accurate as one would hope it would be coming from a government agency. And it also turned out that that advisory council was a group of about four or five activists that had taken over a council. So it, it caused me to become a lot more involved on the issue. Mm-hmm. As many of our listeners know, my family has industrial property in Guadalupe. So Mm. I'm driving down Route 1 quite frequently to review that, manage that. Sometimes I get up on the roof and make sure everything's copacetic. And I I can tell folks that when uh, when people were banned from going on the beach with their vehicles and into the dunes uh, during the COVID period, uh, sometimes I would look back up the, you can see all the way to to the Point San Luis Lighthouse Mm -hmm. from uh, uh, the roof there. And there'd be a giant brown streak of dust uh, coming up from the the Oceano area. And, of course, that's what created all those dunes, the Nipomo dunes. And, and there were no vehicles. So it, it's it's not just the vehicles that cause that dust. Well, and, and you're exactly right, Stu. And if you look, look at the Santa Maria Valley, which is downstream of the dunes and the Guadalupe dunes, I mean, that's the best strawberry ground on the planet oh, yeah. down there. And, yeah. and what, is, what do strawberries like to grow in? They like sandy soil. They need drainage. Yeah. And water. The real question, I suppose, for folks who develop on the dunes is, why would you go live there on the dunes when you know that there's all this sand that is blowing over if you're subject or if you're vulnerable to lung diseases and things like that? And I suppose the other question is, why did the Board of Supervisors ever allow all those developments? Uh, certainly, uh, anyone who is from this area goes around and can see exactly what the circumstances and conditions are. Right. Uh, if they uh, now, and the the 
most difficult thing is you have people moving in from out of the area who don't know anything about those conditions, and they buy a nice mansion on a golf course uh, built over a large pile of sand. So all the water's going to drain right through it. Right. But um, they they, uh, they don't know that there's going to be a lot of dust in the air when they buy this nice mansion on a uh, very sunny day. So, but, but let's get back to Oceano. Yeah. Uh, you got involved. How how did you get involved at that stage? Well, um, the 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 very the, my very first connection with it is was in terms of getting involved was I had uh, made public comment at the Oceano Advisory Council at the time, and I myself and I think just about every other speaker that was there was opposed to the closure of, of Pier Avenue, and the folks that were there they voted unanimous, unanimously to recommend to the Coastal Commission. Um, to close it. Now, these are the folks which, you know, they, they have every right to have the perspective that they have, mm-hmm. but they did this under um, the flag of an advisory council and alleging that they represent a community when they actually weren't even elected to those positions and uh, saying that this activity should end. So, um, so that's kind of what prompted it. And then, and then uh, Stu, I got to tell you, I didn't even know what an advisory council was, but it turns out there's 11 of them in the county. Yeah. And uh, some of them are elected, some of them are not. The one in Oceana was not elected. And their purpose is to advise um, the county on issues before it, issues of land use, right? So the fact that the advisory council stepped into this uh, space, it was really kind of an overreach. And as a matter of fact, uh, um, the board of supervisors, I understand, are going to be reviewing uh, some reforms to the advisory council system in, in, uh, in our county. But the way I got involved with it is we formed an other advisory council. So we formed a group called VACO, and VACO's purpose wasn't to um, advocate for... I just love it when people use initials. Oh, I'm Uh, sorry. That's all right. It's an acronym. What does VACO stand for? It's Vitality Advisory Council of Oceano. Okay. And the purpose of the advisory council wasn't to advocate for or against dunes, but actually to perform the function of an advisory council which was to engage in the community on land use issues before it, which, by the way, wasn't the dunes. So that was my first piece of involvement. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, let's have an effective advisory council for the community of Oceano, separate from the issue of the dunes and off-roading. How, did, how was that formed? How was VACO formed? Well, we, we petitioned the Board of Supervisors, and it was a vote. Mm-hmm. We were, it was a vote by the Board of Supervisors to recognize our organization as an advisory council. And how were the members uh, chosen? We provided a list. So we went out and uh, asked people in the community to join uh, this group. Mm -hmm. And I think we have nine members, maybe ten members right now. I'm an alternate now. Okay. Um, And we went to the the Board of Supervisors meeting, and we asked to be recognized, and we were. And and what kinds of uh, issues did VACO start to study and provide information on? Well, um, so if, um, if... if there's a land use development, like say somebody wants to uh, build on a lot or um, add to their house, um, it'll be referred to us by the county. Mm-hmm. Um, the county staff typically will come in and give a report on it. And then our idea, or, or excuse me, our, our uh, task is to try to engage the community to get input on these projects 
so that the county has as good a representation of how the community feels about it. So it's really engaging the community um, with respect to land use uh, projects, not necessarily for us to be inserting our personal views and our personal biases. I mean, we always have a little bit of that um, into the projects before us, which was very much different from the past advisory council, which was more interested in advocating for closure of vehicle access, which wasn't their function. Okay. Well, now, uh, it strikes me that that's, uh, that's an important function that uh, your advisory council is uh, performing, but how does that differ from the function of the Oceano Community Services District? and their relationship with the county. So the Oceano Com- Community Services District, my understanding is they're basically a, 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 um, a government entity that manages the utilities of Oceano. So they manage the... the um, um, water, the sewer. The water, the sewer, and so forth. Uh, lighting on the streets, Lighting, perhaps. right. They have some park function as well, mm-hmm. right? Okay. And it's, it's not a land use organization, um, that's really the county. So they have no no role in uh, whether something gets built or something gets added on to uh, as far as structures go. That's correct. That's my understanding of it. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's something that probably a lot of people don't know. Well, it's, it's something I didn't know until 2021 when I got involved <laughs> in it. <too. laughs> well, now, what got me to invite you uh-huh. was an article that you wrote that I guess got published in the Calcos News and also at the News Times. I don't know if it ran in the Tribune. I don't believe it did. But it's uh, the title was Time for a New Perspective on the Oceano Dunes. Right. T- tell us a little bit about why you think that's important. Well, I think, you know, um, uh, I don't want to be unkind to our local media, but I think, I don't think our local uh, news outlets have done a good job uh, properly characterizing the issue of the Oceano Dunes. It almost seems like they're making it up to be a UFC grudge match. And on one end of it, you have these extreme environmentalists. On the other end, you have these rogue off-roading folks. And really what we're talking about is vehicle access on the beach. And if you, if you walk the beach, if you go on Pier Avenue and you make a right turn on, on foot, you'll see people in their vehicles, using their vehicles to access the beach to go fishing, to go uh, have a picnic, to go surfing. And there are off-road enthusiasts. There's no question about it. But it's not the only activity out there on the beach. And I think that if people understand that it's actually a diverse, you know, economic ecosystem out there, yeah. mm-hmm. um, I think they might have a different perspective on it. And all this, with a backdrop of $511.2 million in annual economic contribution to the county. How much? Uh, nearly half a billion dollars, $511.2 million and, annually. And, and that economic activity is, uh, where is it mostly located? Well, I would say it's, prob- it's probably dominantly in South County. So South County mostly gets the benefit of that. So South County mostly gets, but North County does too, hmm. because there's some, um, there's some evidence that, you know, folks coming in, say, from the Central Valley are using that area to buy supplies, purchase fuel and so forth to continue their trek down here. And also, um, people that engage or people that interface with the beach aren't just going to the beach. They're going to hotels. They're going to stores. They're going to Pismo and Arroyo Grande. So um, it's, it's a broader economic impact than just what's on Pure Avenue. Folks, uh, this is Stu Jenkins here at K News FM 98.5. We're talking with South County businessman Adam Verdon 
about how to resolve conflict over the Oceano Beach and Dunes and the economic impact that all the visitors coming to those places bring to our county. So what do you see as the most important thing that can be done to resolve these conflicts? Well, one is uh, one I think that it needs to be recognized not only as an environmental issue, but as an economic issue. So as an example, the San Luis Tribune, when they report on it, it's in their environmental section, not in their business section. And in my mind, a half a billion dollars in economic contribution sounds like that's an economic issue as well. Sure. So I think it needs to be recognized first that, that, that it's a huge economic issue for South County and for San Luis County. I think the other piece that we need to understand is, I think, is moving away from the stereotypes of folks that have different views on, on activities that occur on the beach. And as I say, I think there's a stereotype person that's opposed to it and a stereotype person that's in favor of it. And I think that we're missing all the folks that are, that are participating in activities out there and using the beach in their own unique ways. And there, many of those people are in the middle between those two stereotypes. Absolutely. I, uh, I participated in a beach cleanup uh, last year there. And, uh, of course, all of the beach, all of the groups had scheduled their beach cleanup on the same day. So you had uh, political committees uh, cleaning up the beach. You had uh, surfers cleaning up the beach. Um, You had environmental groups cleaning up the beach. All of them brought trucks down to get all the garbage off the beach um, in bags and containers. Um, But but I think think that area is... uh, considered precious to a lot of people in this county and, uh, frankly, a lot of people in the whole state who come to visit it, uh, even though their view of what's precious about it may be different. Right. And it's a, it's a sizable area. I think, I think also we need to recognize that there's, there's enough space out there for different folks to do different things. And, and, and maybe there needs to be discussions about zones for different activities, mm-hmm. right? Maybe we need to be open-minded about different access points for different activities, such as a southern access for perhaps the off-road enthusiasts. And There's a proposal for an access uh, from um, Oso Flaco, uh, the park, the lake right. park there. There's a proposal to bring access for vehicles and people up over the dunes, mm-hmm. where it's actually fairly close to the beach there. Um, what's your view on that? Well, you know, I, I have, I have, I, I think it is, I think it needs to be looked at. And I think that, um, I, I think what, pe- I think there's a, you know, I, there's a perception that that somehow is going to um, hurt the area in terms of an, an environmental perspective. But really, if you think about it, um, you're going to be able to get the off-road enthusiasts to their area of activity likely in a shorter distance and without going all the way down the beach from Pier Avenue. So there's the benefit there. And then the other benefit, I think, is that if you know, if you look at um, vehicle access on the beach, you can say, okay, there's, let's call it high-intensity use with off-road enthusiasts, and let's mm-hmm. call it low-intensity use with folks coming in with their minivans, parking on the beach, and building a sandcastle. And having and a picnic. Having a picnic. Yeah. And, and that activity, by the way, I think is very, is very compatible with pedestrian activity, even with equestrian activity. So um, I think that perhaps it might make some sense um, to 
um, for lack of a better word, have different zones for different activities. And, and, and by doing so, I think it'd be respectful to everybody's uses and of, of, of that beach. Now, you probably heard Jim Sooty uh, when he came on this program. Uh, and he's the president for our listeners of Friends of the Oceano Dunes. And the, one of the things they are doing, in fact, they just won another court case, uh, which uh, basically said that the Coastal Commission was absolutely outside its jurisdiction to order a closure of the dunes and beach to vehicle traffic. Um, but he said they they actually had traced prescriptive rights to use vehicles on dunes not only in the uh, current recreational area that was set aside by the legislature, but on private land uh, further inland and south of mm-hmm. the areas that are owned by the county and the state um, that, that predate when those were sold to the county or the state. Um, now, those are property rights, and so if they, at least their property rights, if they establish them through their lawsuits to uh, establish their prescriptive right to use those areas. Um, and these are the same prescriptive rights that environmentalists use to uh, establish prescriptive rights to trails uh, over hills and mountains uh, and to the beach itself. Um, if those are successful, how do you think that the county and the state uh, and the community of Oceano should try to uh, set up zones, partnering perhaps with um, groups like Friends of the Oceano Dunes? Because um, obviously if, if they give up an area uh, so that it's only available for picnicking or walking, uh, and they have a property right there, uh, some agency is going to have to pay a cost right, or make a trade. Right. Well, my, well, in full disclosure, we are, we are supporters of the Friends of the Oceana Dunes. And, mm-hmm. and uh, as a matter of fact, I think, well, I know we were the uh, business sponsor for their last, their last fundraiser. Okay. Um, but, um, you know, I frankly think that the Coastal Commission should... Think about sitting down with Friends of the Oceano Dunes All right. and having a discussion of working that out. Folks, we're going to be right back to continue this amazing conversation about the Oceano Dunes and Beach. Stay tuned to Slow County Public Policy and the Law right after the news. <laughs> <laughs> 